Welcome to the Cloud on Out podcast. My name is Andreas. And my name is Michael. And we are brothers. And also we are running a small consulting agency that is focusing 100% on Amazon Web Services. We do infrastructure bootstrapping, technical coaching, and serverless architectures, for example. And if you're looking for help for your project, um, ping us because we have some availability in the first half of 2020. Uh, every other week, um, we discuss a topic related to AWS in this podcast. One of us prepares the topic, uh, which is not known to the other one. And this week, Michael has prepared the topic. So, Michael, what do you talk about today? Yes, Andrea. So I am going to talk about a service that is around for quite some time. And it's, um, I think it, it was one of the first services of AWS. And it's around for more than 13 years. And um, it's called Elastic Compute Cloud, or most people call it EC2. So this is the service which provides um, virtual machines. Um, this is also one of the most um, popular services on AWS. Um, that's the core of our um, podcast today. And in detail, I want to talk about the best ways to manage such, such in instances um, today because EC2 is around for quite some time, which also means that a lot of things have changed and EC2 kind of reinvented itself many times. So there were uh, many changes and also like big changes in the past. I'm talking about new features that improve things uh, significantly or new capabilities that we can now use to um, make our lives much easier. So the goal of the uh, podcast today is to introduce all the possibilities that we have uh, today uh, to make our lives easier managing EC2 instances. Wow, that sounds very interesting. And probably a lot of our listeners are interested in this as well because EC2 instances um, are basically... The thing everything is built on top of right so that's very interesting yeah that's true so i think i mean more or less most of aws customers will will be users of ec2 so yeah i also think that's a relevant topic so before we really um begin i think um, we have to make a distinction um because there are kind of two approaches when it comes to managing ec2 instances And the first approach is called a mutable approach. And the second approach is called the immutable approach. So what's the difference here? Um, a mutable EC2 instance is something that you create once and then this instance usually lives for many years. And you log into this machine via SSH or RDP and then you enter some commands. You apply updates to the operating system. You install new packages and you might change some configuration files and so on and so forth. You also deploy new uh, like versions of your software from time to time. And this is called the mutable approach. So mutable means that this machine is changed while uh, it exists. On the other hand, there is the immutable approach. And this is where an EC2 instance is not changed after creation. So this may sound a little bit strange to you, but basically and the idea is that whenever you want to make a change to such an infrastructure that is immutable, you create a new Amazon machine image and then you create or start new virtual machines based on that image. And 
This means that usually you don't log into these machines, you don't uh, install any additional software while they are running, and things like this. The big benefit here is that um, all the instances are uh, guaranteed to be exactly the same. So in a mutable uh, environment, it is very likely that you get configuration drift, which means someone logs into one of the machines and installs something but forgets to install it on the other machines. And now you have two different kind of versions and over time this will add up and you will might or you might run into, into issues here. So that's kind of the differentiation. And in this um, um, podcast today, I will focus on the mutable approach and I will show you how you can solve like everyday challenges um, while managing EC2 instances that are mutable. That sounds very interesting, Michael. Um, one thing, one question that comes to my mind is, um, so when do you think uh, is a good scenario for using mutable instances? Yeah, so that's a good question. And I think that's also like hard to answer. So most people, when they come from like more traditional setups, they are used to the mutable approach. So they have machines running and they manage those machines manually. So it is usually, so if you now um, have a project going on that says you have to migrate to AWS, then it, it feels more natural to use the same approach as well at the beginning. If you go the immutable way, one thing that is important that you cannot really use the EC2 instances to store data because all the instances are more or less ephemeral, which means at any time they can be replaced because you want to uh, release a new AMI and then all the data that is stored in the machines is gone. So the tendency is if the instance stores data, then there is likely a mutable instance. I mean, you can, of course, also deal with that problem in immutable environments, but there's more uh, effort here. So yeah, that's kind of my answer to this question, which is not really a good answer, I think. So so if you feel that you are, like from a technical um, standpoint, able to deal or to manage your infrastructure in an immutable way, I think that's the kind of preferred way. Um, but uh, for all the other cases, um, it's it's also fine to, to treat EC2 instances as something that, that has to live for, for many years. Okay, thanks a lot, Michael. Um, so then let's dive into the topic. So when I spin up an EC2 instance, um, a mutable EC2 instance that runs for months or even years, so how should I tackle patching? So how do I make sure the operating system and all installed software is up to date? As soon as you launch an instance, you are responsible for uh, uh, keeping it secure, which which also means you have to install updates. And the easiest way to do this today is using a Systems Manager. And Systems Manager provides a set of capab capabilities and they are sometimes referred to as Patch Manager. And they allow us to patch an EC2 instance during a predefined window, time window, and also in a configurable way. So what does this mean? So you need three pieces to get this working. The first is a so-called patch baseline. And this is also the patch baseline defines rules for what patches are installed. For example, I, uh, one, one rule is install all the critical security patches seven days after they are released. So that's a typical rule in a patch baseline. So you can select the, like, the type of patch. So is it security patch, it's a bug fix, and so on and so forth and also the severity. 
And then you can define if they should be installed immediately or after certain amounts of days kind of uh, waiting for others to detect bugs in the patches. And so that's the first piece, the patch baseline. And the good news here is that there are default patch baselines available for all the operating systems. And so if you don't have your own set of rules, you can just rely on the default here and then you are fine. The second piece that is needed, and this is kind of the harder of the SSM service, it's called a document. And the document is more or less the script that runs, which asks the patch baseline, okay, what should it be installed? And then it applies the patches on Linux uh, by running um, yum or apt-get um, update. And on it, it also works uh, on Windows machines. Okay, the last piece that you need uh, is called the maintenance window, uh, also part of the SSM service. And the maintenance window um, can execute documents on a set of EC2 instances during a time window. So if you combine all these features, you get a time window, you get a configurable way by the patch baseline, and the document is kind of the one that executes uh, all the instructions. So um, that's the first piece. The cool thing here um, that I want to highlight is that the maintenance window is one of the only pieces on AWS that I'm aware of where you can not only specify the time in terms of, for example, it should run every time at uh, maybe 3 a.m. in the morning, but you can also specify the time zone because usually in AWS everything is on UTC um, and also what you get is full insights into if the patching was successful. So um, you can uh, also get notifications if something uh, goes wrong. So there are CloudWatch events that are published uh, in case of any uh, failures during patching. And this is also something that uh, you can, for example, uh, hook up to our chatbot Marbot. And also Marbot can help you to set up those uh, CloudWatch event rules so that you uh, get all the uh, necessary failures out of SSM easily. Perfect. So that means I can fully automate patching my EC2 instances, my mutable EC2 instances. That sounds great. Okay, so the next question, Michael. So we have um, our, our EC2 instances are up to date. Next question, how do I make sure I have a backup of the data that lives on those machines? Yeah, so that's really important because very often those mutable EC2 instances really contain data that only lives on those machines. So you really need backups. And luckily, um, AWS Backup, which is the backup service of AWS, launched support for EC2 instance, uh, instances, I think last week or the week before. So we can now use AWS Backup to perform um, backups of EC2 instances. And again, you can configure a time window in which the backup is uh, taken. You can also configure the lifecycle of a backup. So you can configure how many days you want to keep it how often you want to perform a backup. And what you get from AWS Backup, again, is full visibility into um, the uh, success of backups. Um, so you can see all the, the backup jobs. You can see all the backups itself. You can restore directly from AWS Backup. Of course, you can also subscribe to um, failures that happen uh, if a backup cannot be created. And this works a little bit differently than before, so it's not published to CloudWatch events. Um, AWS Backup comes with its own SNS um, mechanism, so you can configure an SNS topic and then you get those events published to your SNS topic. One thing to um, mention here, or two things to mention is, 
AWS Backup um, does nothing special. It just creates an Amazon machine image of your instance. So this is this was for years the way to create backups of EC2 instances. Um, but now AWS Backup manages the process and manages the lifecycle. But um, the second point that I want to highlight here is that the the nature of this kind of approach is that the backups are what AWS calls crash consistent. This means that if your operating system buffers writes to disk to the disk and you create a backup at the same point in time, then those buffered writes will not appear in your backup. It's like in the worst case scenario, this could be a cause for data corruption. So that's kind of the risk with this approach. Um, the benefit is that it's very convenient to use, um, but this is something that you should keep in mind. So if this EC2 instance runs a database, um, I would recommend that you, on top of AWS Backup, use the native way of your database engine to create snapshots as well, because otherwise you might have a corrupt backup. Yeah, perfect. That's a very important point to highlight that these backups are crash consistent. So the same with EBS snapshots, which, which is the underlying technology that is used. Okay, so the next point. So Michael, um, you're talking about easy to instances that are mutable today. So that means it is important to get access, remote access to those machines. So what is the best way, the, the modern way to access an easy to instance those days? Yeah, so let me maybe talk about the, the old way before. So um, so previously, you if you wanted to have remote access to a, a, a virtual machine, you usually open an SSH connection uh, or an RDP connection. And this comes with several challenges. First, you have to configure the security group. So you have, um, and also you have to configure the network. So you need a route to this machine. And also the firewall has to allow your access. Then you have to somehow distribute credentials so somehow you have to authenticate with the um, with the machine you have to rotate those credentials and also on the client side so on your machine like on your local machine um, the configuration needs to be in place the client needs to be in place so for example you need an ssh client or an rdp client so there's a lot of pieces that need to be set up and from what we uh, experience when we work with customers um, in all kinds of setups for example in workshops Getting these four uh, kind of challenges right is a lot of work and it takes a lot of time. So the less painful approach is, um, again, to use a feature of the uh, um, systems manager and it's called session manager. And with session manager, you can open a kind of SSH connection to a machine and it runs in the browser. So it's part of the AWS management console. So you get a web-based uh, terminal on you to your machine and you don't need to configure security groups um, don't need to distribute and rotate credentials it's all managed by IAM um, policies and also you don't need a special client because the web browser is already installed and so that's the I think the most convenient way to uh, if you just want to log in into a machine and type in some commands one thing that is really important here is that you have to really make sure that you get your IAM permissions right because now you also manage like root access on EC2 instances with AWS IAM. So it changes from you only manage the permissions to the infrastructure, you now also manage kind of the access into your uh, virtual machines with IAM. So that sounds very interesting. So there's, there's one thing I want to add. So uh, with this approach, um, you can also have something like 
an SSH emulation. So you can integrate um, this approach into your terminal and it actually it looks like you're using SSH, but in the background you make use of this uh, session manager and easy to instance connect uh, features. It is even possible to tunnel a port um, through that mechanism as well. So if you're interested in that, that is also part uh, of the session manager. So it actually, it behaves um, very similar to an SSH connection at the end. Okay, so Michael, my next question is, um, so a mutable server um, that I use to run an application, how can I make sure that I deploy my software to that machine in a reliable way? Uh, is there any any recommendations for that as well? What we see in like mutable setups is very often that people just, um, I mean, they upload their uh, their new release, for example, using something like um, SCP or maybe FTP. So they just upload the new version of the software to the machine and then it runs. So that's an approach and you can uh, still take this approach. The problem with this approach is that it's a risky approach and because, for example, what is if something goes wrong? Uh, so how can you roll back to the previous version and things like this? And also, if you have more than one EC2 instance, so maybe you have a fleet of four instances behind a load balancer, how do you orchestrate the deployment that it happens on the machines uh, in a controlled way? And if you are kind of asking yourself those questions, then I recommend that you check out AWS Code Deploy. And because Code Deploy is exactly solving this problem. So it provides a mechanism um, to deploy software onto all kinds of things, including EC2 instances, using various strategies, including uh, rollback mechanisms. So that's really, I think, the most convenient way to have uh, controlled deployments. So if you want to kind of uh, enhance your deployment uh, capabilities, then I recommend that you check out Code Deploy. Um, it's basically configured by a single uh, file where you can configure what kind of steps need to happen if a new deployment uh, is uh, uh, rolled out to your machine and it, it also integrates very nicely with existing scripts that you may have that you already execute manually so for example if you have to uh, migrate your database uh, if with a deployment and things like this it's all possible with code deploy because at the end you can execute whatever you like in terms of scripts and uh, make your deployment um, uh, successful in this case that sounds great, Michael. So have you used Code Deploy in production already? Because I have not. So do you have any experience with that? Um, yes. So I uh, used it in a, uh, like for various services. So I think it's uh, like 10 or maybe even 15 different services. And so some are Java services, other are Node services, and we also have some Python services. So Code Deploy is really like language uh, independent, so it doesn't care about what programming language uh, you want to deploy. The only thing that I don't like about Code Deploy, <clears throat> but this is not affected uh, with um, EC2 instances here, the integration with autoscaling groups and load balancers is really clumsy. So it's basically a bash script by AWS. In the configuration file that I mentioned at the beginning, where you can configure what happens in case of a deployment, you, you, you basically invoke this script by AWS. So the script runs on your EC2 instance, and it does things like um, set instance to standby mode on the autoscaling group, um, remove it from the load balancer, and reattach it to the load balancer, and things like this. Um, so to make sure that no uh, traffic is interrupted while a deployment is going on. 
And I mean, this is a bash script that runs on your machine. And now recently we had an issue with this script. Uh, it was for some reasons, the instance never reached a standby state in the auto scaling group. So it just uh, hang uh, or just hung up for uh, like, I, I think 15 or maybe one hour and then the timeout killed it. And so we had an instance that was in standby, so it didn't receive any traffic, but it was still not killed by the auto-scaling group. And so this kind of messed up everything. Um, but this is just like a problem with the integration into auto-scaling and load balancers. And um, this is not relevant if you deploy to a single EC2 instance. Okay, so let me think about it. So the next question I have is, um, so if you have a mutable EC2 instance, monitoring is important, right? You want to know what's going on on that machine. So how do you tackle that? What's the modern approach for monitoring of an EC2 instance? So I think this is like equally important, no matter if it's immutable or mutable um, approach, um, because you, you want to see this information in uh, any ways. And the cool thing here is that um, AWS covers a lot by default. So we get information about the CPU utilization. We get information about uh, the network. We get information about the disks. Um, the problem is that we also have some information missing. So for example, we don't get any information about the memory and we also don't get information about the actual usage of the disk. By default, those informations are found in CloudWatch. So CloudWatch is the service to capture uh, monitoring metrics. The question is, how can we add the missing information? I think the easiest approach uh, today is to use the so-called unified CloudWatch agent. And this is a piece of software that you uh, install on the EC2 instance and configure and then start. And it basically can send um, metrics to CloudWatch. So you can publish memory uh, statistics and you can also publish uh, information about how, um, if you have like 20% of your disk used or 80% and things like this. And that's like the core uh, of information that we need. So using the CloudWatch, um, unified CloudWatch agent. And you can install the CloudWatch agent in, um, in different ways. Uh, so I think the, the most convenient approach uh, is in a mutable setup using, um, using installing it via SSM. If you want to have a little bit more control, you can also just install the RPM. Okay, but this is just like kind of the foundation of the problem. So we need the monitoring data inside CloudWatch. And step number two, and this is then actually where it gets uh, interesting, is we also have to define... Um, alarms on top of those metrics. So for example, if the disk usage reaches 80%, you have to notify someone to either clean up the disk or increase the disk space. Because otherwise we might run out of uh, disk space uh, uh, soon. So that's kind of the uh, challenge that still exists. So we have to take care of that. Perfect. That's uh, very good advice. So there's one thing that comes to my mind um, because you talked about the unified CloudWatch agent. So what I've seen um, when uh, teams are using this approach to send custom metrics, so memory, disk usage, and so on, it is important that you verify the configuration of the unified CloudWatch agent and that you make sure that you only send metrics that you really need because it gets quite costly to send um, hundreds of metrics per instance to CloudWatch, which is possible if you want to with, with the agent. So when you use the CloudWatch agent, make sure you only select those metrics that are important to you. So it's probably memory and disk usage, um, more or less. Okay, so next question is, so we talked about metrics. 
So what about logs? So how do I manage log messages on my EC2 instance? So the easiest approach is um, you just uh, open a remote session to the machine using, for example, Session Manager. Then you uh, open the file, the log file, or grab the log file in your uh, editor of choice. So that's still a valid approach, I think. Um, if you want to centralize your logs, and there are many reasons for doing this, and we can talk about them uh, in a minute, and then I recommend that you ship them to CloudWatch Logs. So CloudWatch Logs is, uh, again, uh, a piece of, uh, or a service from AWS that uh, stores logs for us, and you can um, analyze them and search them with CloudWatch Logs Insights in a very convenient way. And the good news here is that if you install the unified CloudWatch agent because you want to get memory and disk usage metrics, you can use the same um, agent um, and you, uh, to pipe log files to CloudWatch logs. So basically, in the configuration file of the CloudWatch, um, the unified CloudWatch agent, you specify the file path and then it, uh, the agent will take care of that and will pipe it to CloudWatch logs. Or why are centralized logs uh, important in mutable setups. I think the first uh, important step is that if you have multiple pieces in your architecture, not only a single EC2 instance, but maybe you have kind of multiple services that work together, then it, at some point of time, you might want to search through the logs um, that cover multiple services, so multiple EC2 instances. So, I mean, you could open multiple remote sessions and look on each of the instances uh, into the logs, but this is a little bit uh, like a lot of manual work. So if they are in a central place, you can also search them uh, in a single, like, centrally. So that will simplify things a little bit. Um, you can also, on top of the logs in CloudWatch Logs, you can define, um, like, you can alert yourself if, if certain patterns are found in the logs. So, for example, if you found uh, certain error messages, you could, using all the CloudWatch features, um, uh, send an alarm. Uh, so that's also a, a, a good like additional benefit that you get if you centralize the logs and um yeah so that's kind of my or what i would su suggest also if the volume of logs is uh, quite high so that you have at some point in time rotate the log files on your ec2 instance which is kind of also a best practice um they are lost forever and if you put them into a centralized solution they will be stored there for as long as you want to pay for it and so that's also like a uh uh, a benefit that you get if the volume of the logs is is so high that the log rotation will remove files uh, earlier than you uh, would like to. Um, yeah, so that's what I can say about uh, logs and RAS. Yeah, so there's there's one thing um, to add from my side here. So I'm a big fan of CloudWatch logs. I know <laughs> not all, not everyone agrees, but I think CloudWatch logs has become um, a much more powerful tool since AWS introduced uh, CloudWatch Logs Insights. So this is basically uh, a new approach to search through your log messages. And I think this can be helpful in this scenario as well because with CloudWatch Logs Insight, it's, um, yeah, it's very easy to search through your log messages. So it's much more efficient than um, just using grep or something to go through your log file because you can parse parts of the log messages. So for example, parse the error codes, parse the response times that are in your log messages and search through them, visualize them. So I can highly recommend having a look into CloudWatch Logs Insights. It's not very um, 
so it seems to be a little bit hard to get into it at the, at the beginning, but after you have written your first queries, um, it's a very powerful tool that I can highly recommend. Yeah, I, I fully agree, Andreas. So I would also um, say that it's since CloudWatch Insights, it's possible to actually search your log. So before it wasn't really possible because it was incredibly slow. Um, okay, so last but not least, Andreas, um, I also have um, kind of bad news. Um, so far, I think this is all. So at least I was pretty impressed about the possibilities that we have today. And I think all this feels very uh, like mature to me. So it, it's really working together quite quite good so but there's one problem a single ec2 instance is always a single point of failure so if this instance fails then your service is unavailable and there are different reasons for failure of instances and you can cover some um, failures by using a feature that is called automatic instance recovery so if the instance fails or the hypervisor of the instance fails, then automatic instance recovery can um, save you from a significant downtime because the instance will be uh, automatically recovered, which means a new instance will be brought up, but it has the same IP address, it has the same EBS volume, uh, and it, it just will be placed on a different hypervisor, basically. But this instance recovery feature does not protect your instance from an availability zone outage so if the availability zone um, goes down um, for maybe one or two hours because of their connectivity issues or maybe their power issues then your instance will be not accessible and also there is no way to um, move it into another availability zone so that's kind of um, a important limitation that's more or less also kind of relates to the mutable approach that um, is used here because you can basically only fix this problem by running multiple EC2 instances and in different availability zones. And then you could put a load balancer in front of them and then you kind of fix the problem. But with a single EC2 instance, you always have this problem. And this is also baked into the SLA of the EC2 service. So the SLA of EC2 says that if you run a single EC2 instance, there's no SLA. Yeah, I think it's important to mention that this automatic instance recovery feature is not turned on by default. So this is what um, is maybe a little bit um, surprising because uh, other cloud uh, vendors or other virtualization uh, software is doing that by default, but AWS EC2 is not. So if you want to have that automatic instance recovery, you have to set it up. Um, you have to enable that. So this is important. And I think it's also, like you mentioned, it is important to to um, to remember that automatic instance recovery works to when the hardware fails, that your instance runs on when the virtual machine uh, crashes or when the hypervisor has a problem, but it does not... Um, recover you from a data center outage an outage of a whole availability zone yeah so that is a very important advice here okay andreas it's time for the summary so that's i think everything that's kind of relevant if you run an ec2 instance so i think what i showed you is that uh, managing a mutable ec2 instance um, comes with a lot of responsibilities um, and i hope that I showed you a good way to solve all of those challenges. 
using the latest features of AWS. So most of them are provided somehow by the SSM service, but we also have AWS Backup and CloudWatch. So, and I think if you combine all those pieces together, and as you said, this is not done by default, so you have to really do it. You have to combine them on your own, and then you can achieve uh, a very solid uh, infrastructure, even if you run EC2 instances in a mutable way. And to help you a little bit with these activities, I created a CloudFormation template that kind of implements all those best practices we talked about. And um, you can find the link um, to the GitHub repository in the show notes. And feel free to check out the template and inspect how it really works underneath the hood if you are interested in the technical details. But if you're not interested in the technical details, so you'll now learn how everything works on a high-level perspective, and you can just use the template um, because you now understand how it works um, by uh, making backups, performing updates, uh, shipping logs, and all kinds of things. It's all implemented in the template. Um, okay, Andreas, so is there anything else you want to add here? Yeah, so first of all, thanks a lot for um, explaining the modern way to run EC2 instances uh, to me. It was very interesting. So I did not know uh, all of the aspects already. It was very helpful. Um, then before we close this episode, I want to mention that you will find all links um, that we dis or to the topics that we discussed in the show notes. There is even a blog post that covers the same topics um, that we have discussed here. Uh, also, um, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already. So go to your favorite podcast app and search for CloudOnout and subscribe to not miss the next episode. One more thing. So if you want to deepen your knowledge about AWS, I can highly recommend our book, Amazon Web Services in Action, which actually goes through all the relevant parts of AWS. So it goes from networking to virtual machines to storage and databases so if you are starting out with AWS and want to broaden your knowledge a little bit, maybe prepare for a certification, um, check out Amazon Web Services in Action. You will find the link in the show notes as well. So thanks a lot, Michael. This is all uh, for this week. Uh, speak to you in two weeks again. Bye. Yeah, thank you. Uh, talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.